Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about Italy as a destination for African players. And we speak to Nigeria's Orji Okonkwo. As a young player, it's very difficult to play for Italian Syria. You have to work, 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 work very hard. Plus the issues of racism in Italian football. And we reflect on a great week of action in the UEFA Champions League. And we look at who's going to take third and fourth in the English Premier League. That's all coming up later, but first, the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations begins on Sunday in Tanzania, with all of the games being played in Dar es Salaam at two different venues. Mali are the defending champions, but they failed to qualify. The top four teams at the tournament qualify for the 2019 FIFA Under-17 World Cup in Brazil. Uh, so lots at stake here. There are eight teams participating, so the two that make it out of the group stage will qualify for the Under-17 World Cup. Cup. In Group A, there's the host, Tanzania, there's Nigeria, Angola and Uganda. And in Group B, it's Guinea, Cameroon, Morocco and Senegal. Always a good thing to be involved in a junior competition like this. It was a tough qualifying campaign. Some regions had qualifying tournaments specifically for this. In southern and eastern Africa, the regional under-17 championships were used as the qualification tournament. We'll be following the under-17 Africa Cup of Nations action for you here on Planet Sport Football Africa. And this Saturday, we've got the second legs of the quarterfinals of the CAF Champions League. Some amazing results in the first legs. Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa stunned the record eight-time winners Al Athli 5-0. Simba of Tanzania missed a penalty as they drew 0-0 at home to TP Mazembe. Horoya of Guinea drew 0-0 with Morocco's Widad Casablanca. Uh, they complained to the Confederation of African Football, saying they felt that they were denied two penalties there, were Horoya. Royer and Esperance of Tunisia, the holders, won 3-2 away to Constantine of Algeria. The second legs on Saturday, Solomon Al-Ahli of Egypt losing 5-0 to Sundowns. That is a stunning result. I'm not sure the fans were aware the result was going to be that way, especially against uh, the team of the century. Uh, it's just something that even the Sundown players were, were stunned, but they played the their best game. Even before uh, the day of the game, Mamilodi Sundowns told their supporters that all you need to do to get entry into the stadium is you don't really need a ticket. All you need to make sure is you get the, the team jersey, the yellow jersey, and then you go in. So the stadium was packed and that's what you need for a game like this. Yes, so this Saturday it is the second legs of the quarterfinals of the CAF Champions League. The draw for the Africa Cup of Nations finals was scheduled for Friday. Uh, this week we'll be asking for your reaction on social media. Officials from all of the qualifying nations have been in Cairo all week, attending workshops and meetings. After the draw, they'll be spending this weekend visiting the venue that they've been drawn to play in. There are four cities hosting matches. That's Cairo, Alexandria, Ismaili and Suez. 
So you can give us your reaction to the draw on social media. Let us know your thoughts on the groups, which teams you think have come out best, which one is the group of death. There's always one of those. Uh, go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. You can post your comment there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Give us your reaction to the draw for the Africa Cup of Nations final. We're now to our interview with Nigeria Under-17 World Cup winner Orji Okonkwo, who joined Major League Soccer side Montreal Impact in February on loan from Italian side Bologna until the end of the 2019 season. The 21-year-old striker, who previously had a short spell at Brescia in the Serie B, only played 268 minutes in eight appearances for Bologna this season before the move. Okonkwo sealed a long-term deal with Bologna from the FC Abuja Academy in August 2016, shortly after helping Nigeria to a record fifth Under-17 World Cup title. Okonkwo is part of the Nigeria Under-23 side now, and he spoke to Oluwashina Okaleji, uh, first about uh, how things have been in Italy. It's a great thing for me. It's a, it's a big experience and opportunity for me to play for Bologna and uh, I mean when I went there I was 18 years and uh, the next thing uh, for three months I just break into this first team so it was a good experience for me at first I was nervous and uh, after run uh, everything went pretty cool for me your first Serie A game you came in as a sub but it's one you would never forget against the team you played against yeah that, that was my best moment uh, I played uh, my first game against Palermo and uh, I was nervous, trust me, I was nervous. But everything went well after the game. Uh, I keep coming up stronger and stronger and stronger. And now I think I know the system and uh, I know everything about the, the Italian Serie A now. What we hear a lot in Africa is that um, for young African players, Italy is not the first port of call. You should go to a place like in the, the Scandinavian League, you go elsewhere, where Belgium and all that to grow. But we've seen that things are changing in the Syria. You look at teams like um, your team, Udinese, and other teams bringing in the Africans. I mean, are the Italians changing their philosophy? Uh, I mean, you know, at, at a young, as a young player, it's very difficult to play for Italian Syria. You have to work, 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 work very hard. If you are in that pitch, you worth it. Trust me. If you are in that pitch of play, you worth it. Because Italian Serie A, it's very diff difficult for a young player to be in that pitch. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's the nature, the tradition, stuff like that, because they don't have a lot of uh, young players playing there. But kudos to my coach. Like I said, he brought me from the from the junior team and uh, immediately I went to the first team but I'm, I'm very happy to, to, to be part of this area. Apart from playing for Bologna, you had a, a short spell at Brescia, it didn't go well with injuries and all that but you are more stronger for it now because you know what it's like to play both in the Syria and Serie B. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to experience life. Like it, For me, the experience for me, because I went to Syria B, I have to get more more experience. That's why I went there. So I, it's just, anything that comes up, I just have to be strong in it and take a, anything that comes. Your quest for regular football has taken you from Italy across the ocean now. You've gone to the uh, Major League Soccer. You're playing for Impact Montreal in, in, the, in the Major League Football. How is that going? Yeah, I mean, it went pretty cool when I went there. Let me say first 
two weeks, I didn't understand nothing about the MLS league. But I'm very happy and I'm so excited to play against the Ibrahimovic, the Nani, the Rooney. So it's a big experience for me. It's, it's, it's amazing. I would say it's amazing to be part of the MLS league. You said you want to capitalize on regular football in that league, but you have unfinished business in the Italian Syria. Yeah, I went there. I went there alone. And uh, for me, I went there just to play. And uh, I don't know what, what will happen in the next one, two years, stuff like that. But um, at the end of January, uh, December, January, uh, I go back to Bologna. And looking at your career, each time I go on your Instagram post, you always quote the scriptures, you always talk about religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much does faith play in your professional career? Yeah, I, I can't do with... with you are smiling. <laughs> yeah, I can't do with that. I can't do with that faith or stuff like that. I, I like I like, I like to praise God a lot. I like, they say without God, you can do nothing. So for me, God is first and the other teams come second. You quoted some scriptures on, online. We've seen them. Which ones are your favorite scriptures from the Bible that you like? Uh, John 11.35, Jesus wept. Wow, that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus certainly wept for all of us. Yeah, exactly. So during your time at Brescia, you had injury. How much, how much communication did you have with your soul, with your religion, in terms of getting better and understanding what was going on? Yeah, I mean, when I went to Brescia, life, life taught me a lot. Like, you, you have to be focused and you have to do things at the right way because now I, I'm seeing it. Like, okay, let me say, I was thinking, okay, life after football, I was like, maybe I'm not going to play again, stuff like that, because I was having a knee injury. You know, knee injury is very, you know, and uh, kudos to my doctor also. I went, I didn't play for four months and stuff like that, but nobody knows, but everything went pretty cool for me. I appreciate the doctor. Jesus wept for you, yeah. but you are making a lot of people smile now. Yeah, exactly. Jesus wept for me. <laughs> It's always nice talking to you, Oji, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's Oji Okonko speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji, and Oji is a winner of the Under-17 World Cup with Nigeria on the books of Bologna in Italy, but currently playing this season with Montreal Impact in the US Major League Soccer. Uh, so our European football expert Stuart Weir with us uh, from the UK. Uh, Stuart, as we heard there, Italy has not been that popular a destination for young African players. Uh, just recap on what you told us a few weeks ago about Italy as a destination well Steve Italy is one of the great football nations of the world and Syria are one of the strongest leagues in Europe I mean the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo has chosen to end his career there just shows that in a way probably the most famous African to play in Italy was Samuel Eto'o who was in the Inter Milan team which won the Champions League in 2010 but there are currently over 50 Africans under contract to Syria at clubs 10 Ivorians, 10 from Senegal, 8 from Ghana, but a total of 12 African countries are represented in Syria A this season. And Udinese um, have had up to 7 African players. And probably another thing I would mention is that actually 9 of those 50 are teenagers. So that certainly there are some teenagers who are giving it a go. Uh, among the more senior players would be Azamoa from Ghana. And now he's been in Italy for 10 years with several clubs and currently with Inter Milan. And um, Babacar from Senegal, who plays for Sassuolo, has also been in Italy for 10 years and played over 200 games. And now there's an interesting Nigerian, Ola Enai, who is actually a Chelsea player, but on loan at Torino. 
And he'd already had 24 appearances in Italy this year. So what he couldn't get in Chelsea, he's now getting in Italy is game time. And there are three Gambians. Musa Barro, who's already scored three goals for Atalanta. Omar Coley, who's in his first season with Sampdoria. And Ibrima Coley, who's also at Atalanta. So there are quite a number of African players who seem to be thriving in Italy at the moment. Interesting. So certainly plenty of Africans in Italy. Um, And of course, Stuart, there was an unfortunate incident of racist abuse in Italy earlier this month. Yes, indeed. Uh, It was when Musa Keane scored for Juventus against Caglari. And he was racially abused by the opposing uh, fans. Keane, incidentally, is an Italian international, but his family are from Ivory Coast. And what actually made this incident worse was that Keane's teammate, Leonardo Bonucci, said that Keane should have celebrated his goal differently and that the blame for the incident was 50-50. Now, a number of players have said that was ridiculous. And Raheem Sterling of Manchester City tweeted in response, you can only laugh at Bonucci's comments. But a disturbing incident without any doubt. Yes, sure. And uh, Stuart, as we're talking about Africans in Europe, you mentioned Kian's Ivorian roots there. Uh, Last week, I highlighted the Zimbabweans in the under-23 national team who've grown up in Europe and have chosen to play for Zimbabwe because of their roots. Uh, There was an amazing African presence in the England under-19s recently. Yes, when England under-19s beat the Czech Republic 4-1, of the 16 players in the England squad for the game... And we're talking about players aged 17 to 19. Seven of them have an African parent. That's seven of 16. Now, there's Mark Gray from Chelsea and Jonathan Panzo, who has played for Monaco this year. And both of them have uh, family in Ivory Coast. Arvin Apaya of Nottingham Forest and Rakim Harper, West Bromwich Albion. And both of them have had first team games this season or from Ghana. Felix Nemba of Manchester City and Bukaya Sako from Arsenal have Nigerian family. And again, both of those have had first team appearance this season. Angel Gomez has had three appearances for Manchester United and he could play for Angola. Now, of course, we are talking about players who are under 19. They have a long way to go in their careers. But it will certainly be interesting to see if some of those choose their ancestral home rather than England, where they grew up for their uh, international uh, football. That's amazing. I wonder how many of those uh, will uh, go on to play for the African nations uh, where their roots are. Uh, Thanks, Stuart. Uh, This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too. That's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast. Plus, you can read interviews with sports stars, including Ghana's Christian Achu and Zambia's Patson Daka. And there are pictures and profiles of us in the About Us section. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. 
Well, now we turn to social media. Last week we asked who will take third and fourth in the English Premier League. Liverpool and Manchester City are well ahead of the rest, but the race for the remaining two Champions League spots keeps on changing. Chelsea are now third and Tottenham fourth, and we asked this question before Chelsea moved into third after their Monday win over West Ham United. It's Arsenal in fifth, Manchester United in sixth place. Well, on Facebook first, Musa Kamara in The Gambia says, I think Manchester United and Tottenham because Chelsea and Arsenal are going to play Thursday football in the Europa League and it will be hard to play in the Premier League on a Sunday or a Monday. Usman, the special one, also in the Gambia, says, I'm too going for Manchester United and Tottenham. On what's up, Papa Mbewe in Zambia says, for me, it's Tottenham and Man United, but anything is possible. Uh, that's certainly true, Papa, with the four teams uh, chasing the two Champions League places separated by just a few points. Uh, to emphasise that, uh, Babukar Jaju in the Gambia goes for the other two teams. Chelsea and Arsenal, for me, will finish third and fourth, respectively, says uh, Babukar. And Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi agrees, saying the competition for slots is stiff at the end of the season, though I see Chelsea and Arsenal in third and fourth, says Patrick. In Sierra Leone, Mohamed Chamakka is less certain. Speaking as an Arsenal fan, says Mohamed, I think the Gunners are about 80% sure of third place and the fourth place battle between Chelsea and Tottenham is 50-50. Bakary Jatta in Italy tends to agree, saying, I'm very sure my Liverpool will be champions, with Man City in second. In third, I'll say Arsenal and Chelsea fourth. Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia has been looking at the fixture list. I think Arsenal may finish third and Chelsea fourth, but going with the team stabilities, Chelsea could make it in third and Tottenham fourth, says Mwenda. Very tricky indeed, this one. Khalifa Sanyang in China has also been looking at the remaining fixtures. Arsenal have the easiest run of the games remaining, says Khalifa, so I put them for third. Tottenham fourth because they're better than Chelsea and Manchester United. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone agrees, saying Arsenal will take third. And Moses Bebe Zuse in Zambia also says Arsenal in third and Tottenham in fourth. Someone else going for the North London combination is Joseph Adelino in Namibia. Arsenal will take third and Tottenham fourth, says Joseph, because Arsenal are playing with confidence. Tottenham are not winning a lot, but I don't think Chelsea or Man United can get as many points as Spurs come the end of the season. Kule Kanekele in South Africa also goes for the Gunners and Spurs, but in the opposite order. Tottenham third and Arsenal fourth for me, says Kule Kani. Alan Ernest Twagi Rayezu from Rwanda agrees, saying Spurs and Arsenal in third and fourth because of the remaining games for Arsenal and the points in the bag for Spurs. In Ghana, Stanley goes for Chelsea and Arsenal for those third and fourth spots and to qualify for the Champions League, saying they are really fighting and determined. Ishmael Saidu Kanu in Sierra Leone says it's a difficult one, but I believe Manchester United and Arsenal will complete the top four. United will surely win five of their remaining Premier League matches. Arsenal are also determined to go to Europe in the Champions League next season. Chelsea and Spurs have not been consistent enough throughout the season. I believe they will miss out by the end of the campaign, says Ishmael. And finally, Alaji Manga in the Gambia speaks for many, saying, This moment it's still too early to predict. The English Premier League is very tough at the moment, says Alaji. And that is certainly true. 
Thanks so much for all of those comments. Uh, let's get Solomon to wrap up on this one. Uh, currently, as I say, Chelsea third, Tottenham fourth, Arsenal fifth and Manchester United sixth. But uh, how do you think it's going to finish, Solomon? I would have loved for Tottenham being in a new stadium and also having the motivation to go in and, and try to finish either third or fourth. But it's going to be difficult for, for, for Tottenham to, to finish there. I see Chelsea. I think Chelsea has a depth. We have Hazard, who's, on, who's been on fire. Higuain, who is still trying to prove himself. So I think it's going to be a great finish towards the end of the season. And I see Chelsea finishing third. But I don't see Tottenham finishing fourth. You know, I'd rather see... I think Arsenal, you know, finishing forward because Arsenal also has a bit of depth and they've been beginning to to sort of show themselves up. Though they're also in the Europa League, but I still feel they have what it takes to, to finish in the automatic Champions League spot. Uh, Tottenham, they've lost the hurricane, it looks like, for, for the rest of the season. I think Arsenal would be that team that would try to finish really strong and that would give them hopefully a fourth place and Tottenham in fifth place and Manchester United. I don't think they've gelled enough yet. We hope to see a different Manchester United next season. Either first or second, Liverpool, Manchester City, we're going to have a Chelsea for third. We're going to have an Arsenal for fourth, uh, you know, Tottenham on the fifth. We're going to have Manchester United uh, in sixth place. Yes, well, we shall see. Thanks a lot, Solomon. Uh, Stuart Weir still with us in the UK and another big week in the UEFA Champions League with the first legs of the quarterfinals. Uh, Stuart, the standout game on paper between Manchester United and Barcelona, though, uh, didn't really live up to expectations. Yes, Manchester United lost 1-0 to Barcelona and this was incredibly United's third home defeat in the Champions League this season. But it was a disappointing game with Barcelona winning through a Luis Suarez header, which was not going goalward, but it hit Luke Shaw and finished up in the net. Incidentally, that was incredibly the eighth own goal that Manchester United have conceded in the Champions League, which is a record. But inevitably, this year, inevitably, the goal was disallowed for offside, then awarded by VAR. While Barcelona had 67% of possession, they only managed six attempts on goal. And while Manchester United had 10 attempts on goal, not one was on target. Now, I did mention that this was United's third home defeat this season in the Champions League. But don't forget that they followed home defeats against Juventus and PSG with away wins. I wonder if they can do that against Barcelona. Ajax drew at home to Juventus with Ronaldo scoring a header. And incredibly, that's the 97th headed goal of his career. The Ajax team included Andre Onana, the Cameroon goalkeeper, and Hakim Zayek, from Morocco, so good to see uh, them getting some game time. But the two Tuesday night games really give us a lot more excitement. Tottenham beat Manchester City 1-0 in the first leg at Tottenham's new stadium, and the goal scorer was Son Hong-min. Now, Son obviously likes the new stadium, as he's played two games in it and scored two goals. Goalkeeper Hugo Lloris was also a Tottenham hero, saving Sergio Aguero's penalty. Lloris has had his critics this season for some high-profile mistakes, but this was his third penalty save of the season, having saved penalties from Jimmy Vardy, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Sergio Aguera. That's quite a collection, really. And um, 
I hate to mention this, but Aguero has actually missed more Champions League penalties than anyone in the last 10 years. He's missed four. Also in that game, it was good to see Victor Wanyama from Kenya getting a rare outing, coming on as a late substitute for Tottenham. Riyad Mahrez played for Manchester City, but really only because Bernardo Silva dropped out late because of injury. Liverpool beat Porto 2-0 with Guinea's Nabi Cater scoring. That was Cater's second goal of the season for Liverpool, but it was also his second goal in four days, as he'd scored in the previous game at Southampton. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane were in the Liverpool team, while Moussa Morega from Mali and Yassine Brahimi from Algeria played for Porto. So it's half-time, so to speak. All four Champions League ties are still in the balance with the second legs next week. Tottenham and Liverpool achieved excellent wins, but I'm afraid we're again talking as much about VAR as about the football. The Manchester City penalty was awarded only after the intervention of VAR. Danny Rose tried to block a shot and the ball struck his arm. No City player appealed for a penalty, but a penalty was awarded by the referee after he was advised to review the incident on the screen by VAR. On the other hand, Fernandinho pushed his arm into the face of Harry Kane, a potential red card incident, and in the Liverpool Porto game, Mo Salah caught Danilo with a studs-up challenge, but neither of these was even reviewed by VAR. And going back to the Rose had ball incident, it was certainly not a clear and obvious error, but UEFA seemed to have replaced that protocol with serious incident missed by the referee. What is more, Planet Sport understands that UEFA has told referees to award a penalty when the ball hits an arm, which, and I quote the exact wording from UEFA, an arm which was not close to the body, which made the body bigger, thus resulting in a ball being stopped from travelling in the direction of the goal. And that is a very liberal interpretation of deliberate handball. Former Manchester United and England defender Rio Ferdinand was so incensed by the decision that he said, you have to have someone who has played the game making the decision, not just referees. It certainly has become very unclear what constitutes deliberate handball in the modern game. Yes, very confusing indeed. And uh, the FA Cup semi-finals last weekend were fantastic. Yes, Steve, and we know now that Manchester City will play Watford in the FA Cup final. Manchester City only beat Brighton 1-0, but they were always in control, and Brighton really only had one serious shot on target. Of Brighton's African players, only Bissouma from Mali was involved in the game, and for Manchester City, Algerian Riyad Mahrez was an unused sub. It's not been an easy year for Mares at Manchester City. He started only 13 of 32 Premier League games. And while he's also had 13 appearances off the bench, some of those have been for as little as two minutes. It just shows how difficult it is, even for a player of Mares' ability to get into the Manchester City side with so many outstanding international players in the squad. Now, the other semi-final saw Watford come from 2-0 down to beat Wolves 3-2. And you have to go back a 100 years to find an example of a team coming from two goals down to win a cup semi-final. 
And the Watford equaliser was a penalty four minutes into stoppage time. And again, you have to go back 38 years to find a deciding goal as late as that. But you really had to feel for Wolves, who led for over an hour and led until stoppage time before losing. It's heartbreaking that to four Wolves. And in the Premier League, Liverpool against Chelsea to look forward to this Sunday. Liverpool at home to Chelsea is indeed a massive game. And by the time Liverpool kick off on Sunday afternoon, Manchester City will have already played against and probably beaten Crystal Palace, which will add pressure on Liverpool to win if they're to go back to the top of the table, albeit having played an extra game. But it's also a massive game for Chelsea, who are currently third in the Premier League table, but having played a game more than Tottenham, Arsenal and Manchester United. This weekend, United are at home to West Ham. Tottenham are at home to already relegated Huddersfield, while Arsenal have a tricky away game at Watford on the Monday night. So again, there's an awful lot to play for for the Champions League places. Steve. Last weekend, Luka Milivojevic scored a penalty for Crystal Palace, which beat Newcastle. Now, that's the 10th penalty he has scored this season, and he got seven last season. That leaves him one short of Ray Stewart of West Ham's record of 18 penalties in two years. I wonder if he can get a couple more to beat that. (laughs) Amazing. Well, there is still time for him to do it. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for this week. But on social media, do let us know your reaction to the Africa Cup of Nations draw. Let us know your thoughts on the groups, which teams you think have come out best and which ones might be in trouble. You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. From Eastie Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.